What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast, our locker room edition, Pro Wrestling Potpourri number two. Last week, we changed it up and created a little bit of a format. I think it worked very well. We're going to continue that this week. Basically, we have four topics on pro wrestling. We'll give them each 15 minutes, and then we'll move on. We're not going to hang on longer than 15 minutes for any of these topics. And, you know, if the topics suck, then maybe we'll move on a little bit more quickly. Uh, but first, uh, introduce the folks on the call with me or on the show with me. Justin, host of High Tension on the Fight Game Media Network Patreon, as well as our special show with Fumi Saito called Write That Down. Justin, what's going on? Yo, um, I'm very interested to hear Andy and Jeremy's take on whatever happened on Sunday. I didn't watch what happened. I saw a few snapshots. I, I don't know what's going on. I need these guys to explain it to me. I think you're off mic, by the way. You were on mic sounding excellent, and now it sounds like you're drowning in an aquarium or something. Oh, uh, uh, nope, you're still... You You must Weird. be connected to your phone rather than your mic. Oh, wait, hold on. How's this? Yeah, yes, now you sound better. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. All right. All right, so uh, Jeremy is joining us as well. He, I asked him to come on with us. He's been watching pretty much all the WWE stuff, so he's going to have an answer for you, Justin, as far as what happened with WrestleMania. <laughs> interested. Welcome, Jeremy. Hello. Hi, everybody. All right, and Andy, you, Hello, are, you are one of the co-hosts of... Um, our weekend or actually our WWE recap shows on the fight game media network, Patreon called break it down. You and Keela cash. You guys were just up after fast lane and you will be up again post WrestleMania. Uh, so what's up, man? Yeah, we have a lot going on coming up. We're going to be doing, um, one big special episode for both nights to take uh, NXT stand and deliver. And then we're going to do each night of WrestleMania live, uh, in the post game. So those are going to go up, uh, the morning after just, uh, how we always do it. So uh, a lot of things coming up. We got a retro uh, show coming up. Um, shout out to Keela. I hope she's listening. If not, I hope she listens later. But uh, yeah, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Hardest workers in the room, I guess is what you <laughs> call it. Um, okay, you know what? I'll, where else? Is, since you know, since there's a few of us, I'm also going to bring up Chris in a second here. Um, Chris Aiken. He he writes for us, and uh, I think he's. He, he, he's going to dabble in, in podcasts here. Uh, we're, we're thinking of a show for him. But, Chris, I'm going to bring you on the stage here, and, and we'll make it a fivesome conversation about our first topic, which is um, we're going to talk about the, the WWE main event, one of the main events being changed. Originally, you know, we're going into it, going into Fastlane, thinking that the main event is Edge and Roman Reigns. Edge picks Roman Reigns after winning the Royal Rumble. And then um, they uh, Daniel Bryan has the match with Roman Reigns at Fastlane. They do uh, a heel turn for Edge. He actually uh, probably, I, I, I don't know, we'll, we'll hear what he says on Friday, but uh, he is the cause for Daniel Bryan to lose the match against Roman Reigns, which was a, which was a pretty good match. And uh, now it looks to be a three-way match. WrestleMania, there's been some really classic three-way matches. I think the the probably the the best one that at least off the top of my head is the WrestleMania 20 main event, which we all thought was going to be Chris Benoit and Triple H one-on-one, and it turned into be a classic 
three-way with the addition of uh, Shawn Michaels, um, Daniel Bryan versus Randy Orton versus Batista. So that match can definitely work on the WrestleMania stage. But uh, let, let's go with our with our uh, break it down guy since he 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 recapped it on the Patreon, Andy. What were your thoughts when you heard that this was the direction they were going in? <clears throat> well, I mean, if you watch the show, it was pretty clear that they were going to do something. Um, Edge just really hasn't been booked as a main event babyface up to this point. And uh, I'm a Daniel Bryan guy. You're never going to hear me complain about Daniel Bryan being substituted in. Uh, I think it's a net positive and could give us a, a big moment for him as well. It, it seems like there's a lot of talk about this being his quote unquote last WrestleMania. And there's these strange rumors about him going into the hall of fame this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, which, that's weird. Uh, you know, I, I hope is a hoax. I mean, maybe next year I, I would think this is a little too soon, but um, this is what they had to do. I mean, they, they really, I, when we recorded our show, um, they had not made this announcement and I, I kind of had, I kept saying to Kila, you know, this is, what they still plan to do is edge and Roman reigns. And I just didn't know how they could do it going forward. So mm-hmm. we'll see how they get there on Friday. But um, by the end of that show, it was pretty clear. Something is changing for this big event. So, uh, you know, we'll bring in Jeremy here. Uh, I, on our Facebook group, the fight game podcast, Facebook group, we've been kind of going back and forth about what is WrestleMania a big deal? Like, you know, do you, does it feel like WrestleMania, this card and Paul Fontaine, who was on the fight game media network, he's very, he's pretty positive about this card. I'm a little bit more negative just cause it doesn't feel that big to me though. I do think there's going to be some really good matches. Uh, but where do you stand on that argument? And what are your thoughts on the change of this main event? Um, I'm a little nervous about the fact that they're going into the final pay-per-view and they throw this, uh, this three-way in there. To me, every year it has felt like Brian, Daniel Bryan is the guy that they feed to the guy to make them look good going into WrestleMania. And now he's actually in it. And everything says to me he has to win this match by the way that they've designed it. Otherwise why are you having this match? And that's a really good question to explore down the line as for the rest of the card. And uh, uh, what Paul Fontaine was saying, I am 100% uh, on board with being positive about this card. I'm just, I have those concerns that are underlying with how WWE wants to run their shows that makes me feel like this isn't the end stop of a bunch of stories. Mm -hmm. This is a thoroughfare to the next thing. And that's always a worrying thing. I want this to be the blow off and I'm not sure it is. Okay. Uh, I I want Chris's thoughts because I have not discussed this with Chris yet. So Chris hang tight. But I actually wanted to go back to both you and Andy, Jeremy, and you both can can unmute Um, a a cynical. Actually, I don't even know if this is cynical because I I think this might be the right move, which is the adding of Daniel Bryan will probably make it a slightly better match because he's really smart. Edge is really smart. Roman, you know, people think that he's way improved. I just think that he's finally put in a position to be a badass. But my initial thought when I saw Daniel Bryan added to this match was, oh, Edge is going to pin Daniel Bryan so he doesn't pin Roman. Got it. That was my initial thought. Do 
Do you guys feel that way? And Andy, I'll, I'll ask you first, then we'll go to Jeremy, and then we'll bring Chris on. It's hard not to just because of how willing a guy Daniel Bryan is to work with people that said, he's usually more willing to work with, you know, the younger guys and put them over. So, you know, I'm sure he would be uh, the kind of guy that, that, you know, sees the bigger picture and understands, you know, this is a big moment for edge, but I mean, being positioned as just the, the, the only true baby face in this match. It, and, you know, it, it would be in headlining the second night. I mean, it, they could surprise us all and Daniel Bryan could do it again and they could justify the decision they made in, at WrestleMania 30. And, and he's just a, a made man from, from here on out. So that's what I'm hoping for anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Chris. I mean, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Jeremy. Real, yeah. Real quick. Jeremy first. Um, then Chris. The fact that they added Daniel Bryan last is really interesting to me because that says they needed Daniel Bryan star power to bring this forward. And, there's nothing to say that Daniel Bryan and Edge can't have a pin scenario and Roman Reigns is still completely out of the question. Um, just something to chew on about how they decide to go forward with this match. All right, Chris, bringing you on here. Give me uh, give me your thoughts on the change in this main event and uh, whether or not it makes you more interested or less interested in this match and this program. Okay, well, I'm more interested simply because I'm more of a fan of Daniel Bryan than I am either of the other two guys. That's though, that's where I sit, by the way, as well. The, my interest is is more into this match, even though I do wonder why he was added. I, I I'm very much more into this now that Daniel Bryan's been added. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I was really interested in Roman Reigns as a character um, several months ago, but um, not so much anymore. I mean, it's just been kind of the same old hat for too long. I feel like, but. Maybe Daniel Bryan will mix it up. I don't know. But I'm only that much more interested slightly. Like, I'm not really that interested. Um, we're talking about the card earlier, and people were positive or negative on the card. Well, I'm positive on the card, on, on the lineup, on paper, but I'm negative on the storytelling, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. And really, to me, the main event is not this. The main event is um, Sasha Banks and um, Bianca Belair. I, mean, I think it's the, yeah. I mean, besides the fact that I'm a big fan of Sasha, I just think that's been the best one, the best built match so far. I, I love that match too. I hope, I hope they get the time. And with the two nights, hopefully they do get the time, right? Um, yeah. Okay. And well, I mean, at this point too, about why I say it's for me, the main event. And I think it, maybe, you know, it shouldn't go over the universal title match or something. I don't know, but, like where's Bailey in this whole WrestleMania deal? Yeah. Is, is one of my questions. And with her and Sasha and and Oscar too and which we can talk about Rhea for a second if you want, but to me, okay, Sasha and Bailey carried you know, but you know, the whole I won't say the whole company, but they carried the shows, the 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 television programs. They carried those through the summer, I feel like. And and so did Oscar to a large extent. They were the most dynamic characters on the show until Roman Reigns came back. And now, you know, they have a big main event, but I feel like like they should be a bigger deal. Mm -hmm. And I think that really the company's missing a chance. They always want to have the next big star. And they're always, seems like everybody's wanting to peg it as to be a male. Like who's the next John Cena? Who's the next Steve Austin? To me, I think the, the, the WWE hasn't even had their first version of the crush gals or, you know, something like that, that something real huge breakout star. They had it 
they had a real chance there with Becky Lynch. And Ron, and Ronda before her being sort of Ronda too, yes, but, helping but, to get Becky in that spot. Exactly. And Ronda could have been that star too, but Ronda was already a star. Mm-hmm. She could have just done it. And But I feel like that that could be, you know, because women empowerment is, is, is very big, rightfully so right now. And all, of, all across the world, Hollywood, everything, everybody's, you know, putting women in more prominent roles in movies and television, you know, especially like Captain Marvel. That was one of the one of the best Marvel movies, I thought. And anyway, I just feel like they're just kind of, you know, not to downplay the but the three way, but it's a three way. Like, I don't really care as much. Sure. I mean, about three ways. I haven't cared about a three way since the 90s when ECW or I guess early 2000s when when ECW died. You know, that's when I thought three ways were, you know, innovative, important. Now they're just, especially with the just one pin decides the whole match. I just think it's just, just weak. They, they're overused, overdone. If they weren't over, overdone so much, maybe it would mean something. But I don't think it really means that much more, except that Daniel Bryan, I think, brings something, you know, positive to it. Um, okay, we do have time. If somebody from the stage wants to jump on with their thoughts, uh, with their thoughts before we move on to the next topic, and just to let you guys know where we're going next, we are going to talk about the uh, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa cage match, which may uh, not cage match, uh, lights out match, which main evented AEW Dynamite. If nobody wants to jump in on this conversation, we can definitely uh, just move on to Britt and Rosa. Um, I guess I'll get the last thoughts on this on this Daniel Bryan situation. Um, I think I think the match. I, I don't. I, I think I do think it'll be better, but I think adding the third guy will allow the match to be a little bit more creative when it comes to the finishes and the false finishes and the way that WWE shoots these false finishes where you can't really see the person coming. And so you get surprised. Like, I think they're going to do all of those things because Daniel Bryan is in this match. I think it's going to be really good. Edge is not going to want to have a bad match, right? He's the, the company, you know, putting him in this position to win the Royal rumble. He's, he's going to want to overperform what the expectation is. Look, he's heard the same things that, that people are saying, you know, you know, he's a little older and maybe the, maybe he's out. Um, you know, he, he, we, we don't love this second comeback maybe as much as we did the first comeback last year before the pandemic started. I'm sure he hears all of those things. His good buddy Christian left to go to AEW. So, you know, he's, he's going to want to prove that, that this is going to be a good match. And then, and then the last guy in there, you know, we're talking about the biggest star that, that these guys have. So he's going to on the biggest stage, you know, want to put out a great performance too. So I think it's going to be a really good match. I can't say that this is like WrestleMania quality marquee, you know, I, the, the, the big match that just makes me so Oh, I can't miss this match. I don't sense that. I don't think there's anything on this card that screams that to me. But um, that that's my two cents. Okay, let, let's move on. And, well, uh, one more thing. I think the thing nobody's talked about, I think the crowd's going to help everything immensely because we haven't had a live crowd on a WWE show in a long great time. Point. And that's going to make all the difference. I mean, they're going to go wild for a lot of stuff. And and we're going to see really who's been over. We haven't really gotten able to see that. You know, who's over in front of a live crowd. We haven't seen that in a long time, and we're going to see that. So that's going to be interesting. 
All right. So uh, let's talk about this AEW main event. I think there may be a little bit of polarizing thought on it as far as whether it was a great, great match, whether it was um, a good match that with the smoke and mirrors and kind of with the way that they're able to do this, you know, the audience for their audience, the AEW audience really loves this kind of match. So, uh, but I wanted to get everybody's, uh, everybody's thoughts on it. Um, let's, let's start with uh, actually, Justin, did you get a chance to watch this match? By the way, I know you were mentioning that you were going to try to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I, watched it live and I didn't have any specific expectations going into it. I mean, I didn't expect it to be that bad or anything. But it, I don't want to say it blew me away, but it definitely exceeded my expectations, and it turned out to be great brawl, great hardcore match. And to put it in a, I guess, twenty twenty one context, compared to the Revolution match between Moxley and Kenny, um, I think overall I enjoyed the last week's main event more, just in terms of match. Um, it definitely caused a buzz. Everyone's talking about it. Even still, we're talking about it. So they did something right. So we don't have our normal AEW guys, uh, Paul Fontaine and and uh, Parker Klein, who do the Dynamite show for our Patreon. But I, I'm, I'm going to guess that Jeremy, Andy, Chris, you guys all saw this. So actually, we'll just go in order from how it's on my screen. Chris, what were your thoughts about this match as the main event to AEW Dynamite? Oh, it was... Um... I liked it. I could see why it could be polarizing because it was a bloodbath for one yes. thing. I mean, double juice. I mean, have we seen a bloodbath like that on TNT ever? I don't I mean, I know in WCW we did it. That's a good question. I, I mean, I think uh, Moxley's gotten blood, but then I don't think Kenny got blood in that segment. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't think of it. And, and not that I mean, maybe it matters to some people, but I think the women aspect of this is part of it too, right? Because it's kind of shocking. Um, It's funny because, uh, you know, our buddy Robert Silva, who does the Pound for Pound podcast on the network, he is adamantly against women boxing because he feels like because of the size uh, of the women that it's possible that down the line – injuries can occur because the women are a little smaller in, in uh, stature. And he, it kind of makes him uneasy when he sees uh, women boxing, but we've watched MMA now for, you know, gosh, uh, 10 years or, or so since whenever that Gina Carano fight was. And I don't feel all that uneasy about watching women fight. I think, you know, they're very highly skilled and you, you will see blood from time to time. You know, you will see a, a time where, someone like cyborg is just dominating another woman to the point of where you're like, okay, this is a clear mismatch and we need to stop this now from a pro wrestling aspect. I can't remember really seeing too many women's matches where there was blood. So there was that. Sh- and, you know, as far as being the main event segment and, and just the response that you've seen from the fan base, you're on mute, by the way, Jeremy. Sorry about that. Uh, it was really amazing to me that match. In a lot of ways, it was it leveled the playing field in terms of perception. We haven't had a match like that that was just so sheerly brutal, featuring women in which you 
were locked into the fact that these two women made you believe they did not like each other and they were willing to end their careers. There wasn't play wrestling. There wasn't people playing at pro wrestling. This was a brutal wrestling match. And I hope it opened up the eyes of a lot of people that think that uh, female wrestlers are not capable of bringing the same level of passion and uh, excitement to watching a match that that men do. And I think that's going to be the main thing about this match is that maybe Bailey and Sasha uh, brought some level of the women up a bit. But this is going to be the match that people talk about for a really long time that that made people take it to the next level of equity between how men and women wrestlers are perceived in the mainstream. That's my opinion. All right. We, we will have a couple of minutes if people who are listening. I know John uh, John is uh, listening, but he and I talked in pretty in-depth about it on uh, – on uh, Friday morning, so not not sure if John has any other thoughts, but if anybody else wants to come on and uh, and, and join in, let me know. Oh, it looks like Brian is interested, but Brian, I'm going to bring you on in a second. Let's get Andy's quick thoughts, and then we'll bring on Brian from the stage. Andy. Yeah, I think most important is who was in this match. It is really important, I've thought for a long time, that AEW establish western female stars um and certainly Britt baker being american thunder rosa being mexican from north america it's really important that they get people you know no disrespect to hikaru shida she's been great but she's not really what they need right now they need someone they can kind of build around as a homegrown talent and i think it'll really help that uh brit baker and, and thunder rosa were in such a incredible marquee moment and they made the most of it because um that's all people were talking about so um Great business all around, I think. All right, Brian, welcome back. I, you you were with us on some of our earlier shows, but thanks for jumping on. And what are your thoughts on this match? Well, uh, I actually wanted to pivot one thing for you guys before I actually just give my thoughts on the match overall. Tony Khan, I guess, like a booking critique, he's been given kind of like outside of like the uh, you know primary AAW like uh, medium is. You know, he tends to over, you know, he, he, uh, he, he to like, uh, under promise over deliver. <laughs> and you, you had heard some whispers, whispers like, Hey, you, you might want to watch this one, but you weren't getting kind of like the over, Oh my God, this is like the greatest match ever. Uh, Jack, uh, swagger and, um, Christian. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? It, it just wasn't just like this big, big thing. So I, I, I thought that it was kind of weird, but we knew this was in the can and you started kind of hearing whispers around Tuesday, I believe, of last week. It's like, whoa, hey, this looks sounds like it's going to be a pretty big deal. And then you started hearing standing ovation. So I want to commend Tony Khan on how he didn't hyperbolic everything and he just let it happen. Because had that match not happened, it, it might have still been good, but I think there might have not been this, I guess, positive reinforcement just like across like the internet like with how this match went, because I did not see one negative thing about this. And the beauty about this that I, I saw, because I actually watched this on delay, I, I was just so amazed on how much like emotion they drained from that match. Uh, a lot of people were saying, you know, was this the best women's match ever? I didn't really care because I thought that was one of the best AEW matches ever. I, I, I think you could really have a conversation uh, of that 
tag team match between the Bucks, Hangman, and Kenny. Well, was it 40 minutes? No, but I think it was just so different. And these women were just doing so much to tell a story and really just prove a point and really kill it. I haven't had a chance to see Britt Baker's interview on the Oral Session podcast, but I've seen some clips. And uh, I can't wait to actually dive in and get her to, you know, really spill her guts a little bit about everything. I just and the the finishing segment of how Thunder Rosa just was basically crying and hugging Britta at the end. It, it was just great. There was not one bit of negative feedback that I would have on that match. I was completely satisfied as a, a fan. And I think that really put not only like AEW women's wrestling, but I think that made women's wrestling just across like the American border like more prominent and it should these women are awesome all right let me turn let me turn it around on you for a second because you mentioned tony khan maybe being a little less over the top when it came to promoting it i did see him say that he thought people were going to be very happy with it but do you think the reason is is because it was a direct reaction to maybe the negative feedback that he got from you know the christian surprise that I think many people were disappointed in, even though, you know, I think we all sort of figured out who it was before he even came out. I, I think so. I, and you look, you go back in the, the Hager Moxley, he had said this was going to be one of the greatest uh, empty arena matches ever. And I think everybody was really underwhelmed, went way too long. I think it was okay. Uh, some people were saying it was a terrible match. I thought it was okay, but for Tony to be that hyperbolic, I was like, whoa, okay, this match must be really, really good. And it was, you know, okay at best. So I want to say, uh, you know, he's definitely learned from that, Garrett, because, like, uh, when you and Dave were hopping on and really having that discussion about, like, uh, you know, revolution and everything that went wrong, I, I think Tony does really take this stuff to heart because I don't want to say he jumps on and he's going to hop in a locker room one day when you guys are doing a podcast, but I think he really does take his like criticisms and like his, I don't want to say failures, but you know, there's an area of opportunity. And I feel like supposed to any other wrestling booker right now, Tony does take, he's pretty. All right, we're going to move on to the next topic, which is uh, Will Ospreay winning the New Japan Cup. And, you know, just uh, overall thoughts. And this is, you know, more Justin's forte here because he hosts the High Tension podcast, which will be out later tonight, early tomorrow morning. And I'm sure he'll have some thoughts on the the New Japan Cup. Um, But kind of to just put a capper on what Brian said. Now, I'm not saying that the podcast that uh, that. Wrestling Observer Radio that I do with Dave Meltzer is like this, you know, groundbreaking thing. And everybody in the industry listens to it. You know, that he does. Dave does get a, a really good number of listeners for a subscription service. But I think there was some flack from Tony coming on the show with us when we talked about the awards. And he was happy. Right. I, I don't blame him for being happy. He should be happy with his year with the way that they've handled the pandemic. And this is Dave's awards, which he grew up on and voted in and still, you know, continues to vote in though. He did say that he, he didn't do it this year, but you know, he took a lot of flack for that from, you know, this is the hardcore wrestling community. And um, I do think he was kind of, he probably felt that they were on a little bit of a roll. He really thought this pay-per-view was going to be like out of this world and it wasn't right. It, it was not a bad show to me, but it, it, it didn't deliver. And when you get into this ballgame, just like you said, Brian, of over over promising and under delivering, 
it is just really it, you 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 can kind of get this reputation for it and his business is really still you know selling pay-per-views and they've got to have a good reputation when it comes to people spending 50 bucks to buy these shows uh so that's kind of my thing on it i think you know everybody has ups and downs i i'm i'm glad that he came on our show and was just really happy for for uh, the awards because those awards it meant that those word awards are meaningful and it meant that you know that he really thought that they uh you know they were they were like a, a you, you know even better than like a trophy or something like they were really meaningful to him so uh okay let's move along justin you can jump back on let's talk about some new japan cup here uh did you how how much did you were you able to catch up because i know i fell behind like right when the second round started i just like i fell so behind and i i didn't catch up completely but i watched pretty much all of the the best stuff including the the final but how did you uh how did you handle the the whole cup uh i think for the most part i'm more or less caught up on the main matches i was uh, kind of uh catching up one week and watching live the next week or you watch what you can when you can right and this weekend was the last um double you know two shows at Zebio arena in sendai uh they had the semifinals and then the finals on the next day and the one note about the first day i was actually watching this live and it was pretty strange i've never i don't think i've ever seen this before but there was an earthquake oh yeah uh, i don't know uh it just looked i didn't really understand what was going on it, the hard cam kind of pulled back and craned up and swung around a little bit. I'm like, <clears throat> excuse me. And I, at first I'm like, they're not going to do a sting thing, are they? No way. And then they cut back and you just see Jay White looking around in the ring. And after a few seconds, I think everybody got the hint that there was an earthquake. They stopped the match, but it's definitely something that you don't see every day. Uh, okay. T- tell me this. This is the, I'm, re- I'm really curious about this. Did the, Badass of all badass pro wrestling hills going in wrestling today. Did he show any fear when this earthquake was happening in the ring? Uh, no, he just looked confused because it was <laughs> it was a weird time in the match. It was a six man match between Bullet Club and Okada, Tanahashi, and Ibushi, and it was early on in the match where everyone was brawling around the ring, and they were about to get the match uh, like more like in motion when the earthquake happened. So it was kind of like um, everybody was all over the place. Nobody really knew what was going on. So it seemed like Jay was confused because he got into the ring and then, uh, I don't know, we, could, we couldn't see what was happening because the cameras, uh, the, the ringside cameras, they weren't uh, being shown live at that time. It was just a hard cam. I didn't know what was going on. So um, it's just, you know, it happened. It seemed like it was safe. Um, there was like a 40-minute break. And Tanahashi and Ibushi posed for fans near ringside, took some pictures. Tanahashi played some air guitar, <laughs> did some clapping. But then there were uh, two New Japan uh, New Japan Cup matches towards the end. They they ended up coming back to him, and we had Dave Finley versus Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay won, but I got to tell you, uh, Dave Finley, I swear. He had two. I mean, the Jay White match was pretty good, but this Will Ospreay match was very good, and there were some very close calls towards the end. Um, I don't know what the plan is for Dave Finley, but um, that's worth checking out. Uh, Evil and Shingo Takagi, I liked it, but it's definitely not going to be everyone's cup of tea because there was a lot of Bullet Club chicanery mm-hmm. 
But uh, but the main match the next day, Will Ospreay, Shingo Takagi, um, 30 minutes, fantastic match. I don't know if it was better than the uh, Best and Super Juniors match they had in June 2019, but it was better than the G1 match last year. Um, pretty, uh, they're trying to outdo each other, it seems like, and the pace is just insane. So it's definitely worth checking out. If you're going to watch just one match, go ahead and watch the finals that Will Ospreay won. And uh, shout out to Parker, who called this uh, last week on Locker Room. Yeah, he, in his preview, right? He wrote the preview. The preview, and I, I think I remember talking about it on a show last week. Yes. So, so I'm, I'm going to bring Jeremy on in a second, but oh, he, he'll be able to crow too, because not only did he call Osprey, he called Finley beating Jay White. So he, he'll get to double crow. Osprey but first, the only person in the world. <laughs> Chris Samson right. said he had like 600 or so um, brackets that were turned into his website. For yeah. the None of them had Finley in that position. None. Um, and, you know, Thanks to Chris Samsa too for hosting that. That was awesome. I, I I was so happy when he told me that he sort of figured out the the bracketology because like you know March Madness NCAA basketball everyone's filled out a bracket before even if you don't follow college basketball and I was just like oh god we got to be able to do this somehow and he figured it out so shout out to Chris man that was fun all right I'm gonna bring on Aiken before I bring on Jeremy because I know I know Chris has some thoughts on this New Japan Cup Chris. What were your thoughts on uh, Osprey winning here? Oh, I was surprised for one, um, and uh, I feel like uh, all the stuff I said last week about it looked foolish in hindsight because because um, I didn't pick him. Um, I, but um, but yeah, I mean it was good. Loved it. Loved it more than anything on Fastlane. Um, I know that was a topic of conversation on the Facebook group, one of the threads somewhere, comparing the New Japan Cup to Fastlane, all the good matches on there. And I still liked it better than anything on that. Of course, I have a New Japan bias. So, yes, you know, I think I must have a New Japan bias. And there's nothing wrong with saying that. It's just, you know, when, when, when you have the G1 and you have a tournament like New Japan Cup. And look, you know, the New Japan Cup is not always like a fantastic tournament. I think they turned it up this year and maybe last year as well as far as the quality of the matches. But, uh, you know, we, we're going to have a bias when... For the last, you know, five years, that's been really the the company that's put out the best wrestling. So no shame in that. Yeah, I think they've really done a lot with the New Japan Cup to make it, uh, I suppose, make it a more exciting, you know. Um, I mean, you had that one year that Zack Sabre Jr. won it, and that kind of elevated him a lot. And that kind of made people jump, you know, take notice that, hey, anybody can win the New Japan Cup, really, because who thought going into that that Zack Sabre Jr. was going to win, and he won. And so, and then that kind of, when when Finley won, I was thinking in the back of my mind, really? I mean, maybe he goes all the way. So that was a great way to create that, you know. And there was a backstory somewhat because it's ha- it's happened before in the New Japan Cup that an underdog like that went on to win it. So mm-hmm. I thought that was great storytelling. And something like I talked about earlier, how the live crowd's going to help WrestleMania. For me, n- n- watching New Japan, what's so much better is even though they can't yell and scream and cheer and all that, there's an energy that comes with a live crowd. And I think it makes a huge difference. And it's not just um, well, it's not just an energy. It's not just an atmosphere on television. It it seems like the wrestlers feed off of it more. You know, they you know WWE now it's it's and a lot of other shows um, have for a while we've gotten kind of used to the to this kind of one act play deal that's kind of going on now. You know, with with no live audience, it's like mm-hmm. a play with no with, with, without a crowd. 
And when you watch New Japan, even though they're not yelling, they're not screaming, there's that clapping, there's there's an energy in the about it that's that you really can't get artificially with a Thunderdome or anything like that. And of course, there's a, there's a reason, you know, we haven't had live crowds. I understand that. And that's, you know, but hopefully we're getting past that soon. Um, I know here in Texas, the vaccine is now open for all adults starting Monday. Wow. It's so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe we'll get back to that because there's something with a live crowd that makes a difference. And I think new Japan has that for me. Maybe it's because I miss it so much. Maybe it's yeah. I miss seeing that crowd. And so I see them there and I can hear the inner, you know, hear them clapping and you can kind of, you know, it, 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 it Makes me nostalgic for a time that feels like, oh, feels like so long ago. But anyway. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I hear you 100%. And I think it was much different than the, um, what was that, the best of the Super Juniors finals match? I think it was much different than that. And so I loved how, how, how different it was. I think it was better than that match in some ways um, just because of the story they told. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I loved it. All right, so I'm uh, going to bring on Jeremy here in a second, though. If anybody, we'll have a couple minutes uh, if anybody wants to give their thoughts or, or ask a question about the New Japan Cup. Um, Jeremy, you called the winner. You were on this show last week being uh, pretty pro about uh, Finley winning. And then I think you did it on this show last week. Did you did you not also say that you thought Osprey was going to beat Kota Ibushi? I did. I ended the show with that call, and when then we shut it all down. <laughs> the last thing everybody heard. You had the mic drop. I had the mic drop. Uh, okay, so here's here's the grand theory. I'll try and give it in thirty seconds. Will Osprey cost Kazuchika Okada? Uh, his shot into the G1 finals last year. Okada then beat Will at Wrestle Kingdom along with the rest of the Empire losing, which was shocking. We all kind of figured something would happen there. As soon as Okada lost in the first round, I figured Osprey would win the G1, uh, win the cup, take the title on uh, Ibushi's first defense, meaning he still had the title, so he can claim it. Osprey holds it all the way through the G1, defends it against Okada at Wrestle Kingdom next year, so Okada can get his first title reign with that belt. That's the master plan to me. That isn't that is an interesting theory. It's kind of a bummer though because you know Okada's supposedly just in a lot of pain right now. So I don't know how you can heal from your injuries when you're you know, you're continuing to work. It seems like it'd be best if he just took a few months off and, and, you know, it doesn't sound like they necessarily do that all all the time when injuries happen, but um, you don't have to do anything until the G1, which is in the fall. You can put him right in the driver's seat, maybe have Ocon and Cobb both in his bracket and be the obstacles as he tries to run through and get his hands on Osprey in the final. It's all kind of there. Who knows whether they do it? There are plenty of other people, but if they do go with Osprey with the title, that's the story I think they tell. Okay, so I'm uh, going to bring Andy on here in a second. He says that he's the filthy casual fan of, of New Japan. Uh, last topic that we'll hit is about Andrade getting his release, having a no-compete. So theoretically, being able to join anybody immediately 
And I think the the story is going to be whether or not AEW brings him in. There's going to be pros and cons to that. So that'll be the last topic. But before we get to that last topic, I do want to ask Andy his last thoughts on the Will Ospreay beating Shingo at uh, the New Japan Cup Finals. Okay, so it's March. Uh, A lot of college basketball is going on. I know this is a sports app. So, you know, a lot of people play brackets and they just kind of pick teams. You know, they like their uh their mascot or their colors or they know someone that lived in North Carolina once whatever their reason they pick a team and then that team goes the distance and there is nothing more thrilling than that and that's pretty much what I had going with Shingo Takagi through this entire tournament I called him beating Okada and I was just like he's winning he's going all the way we're gonna do this and we made it all the way to the final me and Shingo so (laughs) what a thrill I want to say thank you to him and Will Ospreay. Great, great tournament. Um, very worthy winner, I think. And uh, his uh, press conference outfit was just outstanding. I loved how he looked with the, the gold chain and the watch and the glasses. He looked great. So I, I'm appreciating main event heel Will Ospreay so far. And uh, I was pulling for my boy Shingo, though. Uh, maybe next time. All right, Justin, uh, go ahead and unmute because I, I have one more question for you before we move on. And I wonder... I don't know. I don't know if you're going to tackle it tonight on high tension or not. But um, post uh, after the match is over, Osprey basically takes B out with a with an os cutter. And when I saw, um, actually, I was online. I didn't watch the show live because I was doing something else. And so I was on Twitter while all of this was happening. And you know, it's not like I follow every new japan fan or anything but the reaction was really negative uh you know sort of like almost like ruining the match and the moment for folks what were your quick thoughts on the aftermath of that match um well i didn't expect it and you can probably hear a pin drop in that arena when it happened i think because it wasn't fully explained until a couple minutes later when osprey cut the post-match promo if anyone hasn't caught it yet, he basically said uh, he gave the love of his life, B. Priestley, an Oz cutter because he is so dead set and so focused on winning this new IWGP World Heavyweight title from Ibushi. It's, uh, it was used as a I, – I don't know. I'm speculating here. It's used twofold. It's used as a way to kind of beef up the main event at Sakura Genesis. It's coming up between him and Ibushi. But it's also, I think, a way – to get rid of B Priestley because she might have a program and stardom coming up soon, but also because they've announced that there will be some kind of new member to this United Empire faction. So we have Jeff Cobb, we have Gray Ocon, and Will Ospreay. Now with B Priestley out of the picture, they're scheduled to have a match, a tag team match with a wrestler just listed as X, the infamous X. So do you have an idea? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. I have no clue, but if I were to guess, maybe someone from the LA Dojo, like Carl Fredericks, that'd be cool. So Dave and Brian both seemed to think it was going to be Hanare, right? That's right, and also he was uh, earlier on the finals card on Sunday. He was definitely teasing a heel, heel turn, some some sort of thing in the tag match he was in. He was definitely. Uh, it was it wasn't heavy handed, but it was pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. So that definitely could be if the conservative answer and the safe answer. I would definitely go with Hanari. He needs something uh, for his personality, anyways. Too, I think he's ready to, you know, 
do something and go somewhere with a, a team or, or on his own. But that's, I think, but back to the original, um, the angle that they cut, uh, I'm assuming B Priestley, you know, was okay with them doing the angle. So I, for other people to be upset with it, I mean, well, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was the best choice, but if that's what <laughs> they want to do, I'll wait until, to be fair, like this kind of angle, it starts at the New Japan Cup Finals and wraps at Soccer Genesis. So once Soccer Genesis happens, I'll see where it was going. If there was a point or a direction to it and they had to do this to pay off something else, I have patience because they and, – and New Japan has earned that patience from me because they deliver a lot. So I'll be patient with them. All right. If anyone wants to talk about Andrade, you can uh, ask to speak and we'll put you on. I wanted to put a capper on this 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 last thing, which is I thought it was a little tone deaf. And the reason why I thought it was tone deaf is because Will got caught up in the situation um, with the speaking out movement last year. Now, from all indication and from everything that I've seen, the one promoter who basically said that, you know, he didn't want this woman to, to work this show, I think admitted that he was wrong. And so Will should probably be not involved in that whole thing, at least as far as everything that I've seen and everything that I've read. And look, it may, you know, I may not have seen everything. So if that is wrong, then you guys can let me know. But because he was involved in that and, you know, he was really depressed, right? Like he, he didn't like being named like he, he on his Twitter was kind of wacky. And, you know, I knew, I know that he was really taking it to heart. So just knowing that though, I thought it was really tone deaf to to do the 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 man on women violence, even though it was an os cutter. He's he he's wrestled B before and he's given her moves before, so it's not that big of a deal. But I just thought it was a slight tone deaf thing. And if I was him, I would have said, "You got you guys want me to get involved in this you know this thing again?" Like all my all the people who were. Uh, in my replies on Twitter are going to come back. I would have like just said, why don't we do something else? But so that's just my, that's just the end thing on that for me. Um, did you have, did you have another follow-up? Oh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a valid point. I mean, we have to talk about it eventually. Uh, Osprey seems to be persona non grata for a lot of people. Yeah. Not because, not only because of his wrestling, but because of, I guess his behavior outside the ring. I don't, I don't know the full story, but I just, you got to remember that this is a Japanese company and probably 95% of the fans in Japan watching, they don't have any clue or understanding of uh, what, what happened with Will Ospreay or like the full extent of the speaking out movement. You're talking about like the New Japan world, like the WWE universe type fans. They just watch New Japan. They're yep. pretty casual, like the main hardcore fans these days. So they might not even uh, that might not even register to them. So there's always that like, split market for the English crowds. Yeah, it's definitely something that you probably want to vet before it goes out on television. On the other hand, sometimes that stuff flies by in Japan because it doesn't uh, register the same way in Japan it does in North America or in Europe. Sure, totally. I totally get that. Okay, let's move on to Andrade. And you know, Brian, if you want to chime in on the Andrade situation, let me know, and we can bring you back. But um, first, the the I, I literally just want to answer one question. We got 
12 minutes. I think we'll be able to get through everybody. Uh, and then if, if anybody wants to come on from the stage and just answer this one question, uh, ask to speak and we'll put you on right at the end. But here's my question. If you are AEW, do you bring Andrade La Sombra? Do you bring him in to your company? And then I want to hear your answer and I want to hear why. And uh, I'll, let's just put uh, let's put Aiken on the spot. What do you think, Chris? Um, yes, uh, but I don't think you do it right away necessarily. I know he's available right away, um, but I think you could build it up a little while. Like, like maybe you could say you did it and signed him in the last, you know, this week or next week or, you know, sometime really soon where you can announce it, you know, really soon. Maybe you announce it, but then, you know, kind of wait till he comes in. You know, I think. They shouldn't do the whole deal they did last time with the with the oh this huge star's coming or whatever mm-hmm. and leave it up to speculation. If he's coming in and they want to tease it, they just need to tease that it's him. Um but I don't know what he wants to do necessarily. I mean, if I was him, maybe he wants to take some time off. I don't know. He's leaving right now though, and he didn't take a you know, his non compete and, and sit at home and get paid, so maybe he wants to wants to do something soon. Um I would love to see him back in, in you know, CMLL just for me personally. But, I mean, that's not going to happen because they're not really running shows except for Empty Arena and they don't, they're not paying anything. And so, I mean, AEW, if he wants to make a splash right now, I mean, that's the place to go. Unless there's the, you know, there's the, the prospect of a Los Ingobernables, you know, reunion of sorts in Ring of Honor. And don't they have a big show this weekend? Isn't it coming up? Yes. Yeah. The uh, what is it? The anniversary show? I think right? so. Yes. So nineteenth anniversary shows coming up for our ways. That's right. Yeah. And so you know, there's that. There's a possibility, you know, because he's tight, you know, with with Roosh going back, you know, a long time. And um, is uh, the, um, Roosh is still in Ring of Honor, right? I'm not that up on Ring of Honor, <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, but um, yeah. Does he still have the strap? Still have the title? Uh, is is uh something happened? Did, did he get ill or or something? Like I don't think he's at this next show. Is he? We're we're really showing our lack of ROH yeah. knowledge here. Yeah, well, it's, it's, <laughs> I believe it's hard. There's, there's, there's so Roosh is definitely still champion, and but that whole faction, like the uh, Dragon Lee and Kenny King, have the uh, tag team championships, and then Dragon Lee is the world television champion. So. There, that La Faction Ingobernable is just running ROH at this point. See, so yeah, so there's that, you know, there's, there, there's, he could go that way, you know, he could go New Japan, he could go, I mean, he could certainly fit on AEW, and Thea Trinidad, she hasn't showed up anywhere, the formerly uh, Selena Vega, she hasn't shown up anywhere, and that would be, they made, you know, a great duo, and, um, they was really carrying the show along. Like, like I said earlier, the women were carrying the show on raw, but you know, you also gave the props to them too, because they, you know, during the, this past summer, they were a big part of the show. And so that reunion, you know, AEW, I could see something in that in AEW, especially because Thea, has she done anything? Thea Trinidad? I haven't seen her pop up anywhere. Just uh, cosplaying on OnlyFans, I think. Yeah, I That's believe it, yeah. she's making like tons and tons of dough on is she? Yeah. only well, fans and cosplay. Yeah, so and and so maybe there's that. I mean, 
if I was AEW, I would go after him because, I mean, he's a great talent. I mean, he was underutilized in WWE, but that, that is what it is. You know, they wanted to make a, they have this search for the, for the, you know, Hispanic superstar for so long, but, you know, Eddie and Ray as popular and as great and as worldwide of stars as they were, they were never really pushed as the top star ever. And I think the last WWE top star was that was Hispanic was Pedro Morales that was for <laughs> most of our time. And so, I mean, it's just a shame. It really is because he's so, you know, there's been a lot of other people that could have been that, you know, Hispanic, you know, star for them that they could have, you know, pushed to the moon and then, you know, pushes a heel first and then turn baby face, you know, but it's just a shame that and, and, and Angel, uh, um, what was his WWE um, Angel Garza, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, what, just hanging out in, on backstage skits now? Yeah. Like, what a shame. They were so good this this summer. So I'm glad he's maybe doing something else and hopefully he'll pop up soon. Or, you know, maybe he's just going to hang out. Charlotte, she's kind of hanging out. So maybe he's not in a hurry to do anything. And Andy was and Andy was sad that you didn't add Alberto Del Rio to your list here. Oh well, you know. Speaking of that, there's like uh, oh, there's this local radio station, this little small town that where where my office is. It's about an hour away from my house, but it's it's even further deep into the sticks than I am. <laughs> but there's this little, and they have this PSA they've been airing, and I sent them an email about it, and they it's still in, in rotation with Alberto Del Rio reading the bedtime story. Do you remember those, those, um, yeah, those, uh, I don't know if it was during father's day or something. It was, it, it was, you know, one of those about be a better father, you know, PSAs. And it's really creepy now. I just have to say really creepy. I've tried to get them to take that <laughs> off the air. So that's hilarious. Um, okay. Brian, uh, wanted to get you on real quick. Give your thoughts on, uh, uh, Andrade Sombra, whether or not AEW should bring him in. All right, uh, just quick question. So I want to pose your question with another question, real quick, Garrett. So with the travel restrictions now, from my understanding, there don't you almost have to quarantine two weeks before you can actually travel outside the U.S. Does that change at all? I I, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know how people kind depends of where you're going. I validate think. that though. How do, like how do they validate that? I think they – well, because I'm trying to remember if I – because Mox might have mentioned this with your interview with Dave, Garrett. I, I just thought there, you almost had to wait 14 days in isolation like here, and then you have to go there and just be in a hotel for 14 days. Because I, I thought I remember hearing that. I don't know if it was from Mox or maybe folks traveling into the U.S. directly. That's why I find it hard to believe right now, especially the way Japan's been a little – slow on rolling out the vaccine and everything getting back to normal i just can't really see andrade making that jump if things were normal i don't think they would be even a question he goes to new japan and kills it i just i think you you level that and then you factor in charlotte as well she's recovering you know i know he wants to be with her by her side as much as possible so i don't know where they live i presume they live in florida somewhere like most wrestling couples so it seems very logical whether he goes to Impact or, you know, if hypothetically maybe he goes to New New Japan Strong. AEW seems the logical choice. Easy fantasy booking. I'm going to book this right now. I don't know when Brandy Rhodes is due. Uh, Cody is going to need one more match to be written off. Rather than do the opposite, what you did with Christian, I think a week before you announced Cody's mystery opponent live on Dynamite as La Sombre, 
And then you have Miss Trinidad up here. And then you know what? You have Red Velvet at Cody's side for the, I believe it's the double or nothing pay-per-view in May. And that's how you get extra buys on there. You and not, you, oh, you, um, you pre-announce what you're buying so that way you're not disappointed. So you're you're advertising, hey, buy this pay-per-view, La Sombra or Andrade, whatever his name is going to be. That That's your big surprise. Now, I know someone in the comments said, you know, let it be a big surprise on that day. But again, if we're thinking Tony did c- kind of take to heart like what happened to Revolution, I think he's going to do things a little bit differently now and he's going to – He's going to over, you know, he's going to basically present everything ahead. And then it's like, whoa, wow, these guys killed it. And you're not disappointed if it's a. Love that idea, by the way. Love that idea. All right. Jeremy wanted to jump on and give some quick thoughts. Jeremy, go for it. You know, uh, there was a show that I watched a long time ago and they had a uh, they had a line that said, if you can't make money with this then you should get out of the money making business and the fact that they couldn't make money with andrade in wwe is ridiculous they should be paying him more than they pay miro to come into aew they should bring in thea trinidad with them and when alistair black is done they should bring in tommy end and bring (laughs) all three of them there they are essential wrestlers in this day and age, and they're going to elevate whatever promotion that they're in. I hope they get that New Japan kind of free, go other places and do that Moxley has. If they do, that would be perfect. If they don't, and it's only AEW, I think it should only be AEW for them. Their star power is too big for the other promotions, I'm sorry to say. All right, Andy, do you have any thoughts on this situation here? Sorry, Andy, I, don't, I can't hear you. Sorry, it, it shows muted on my phone, but then not on the computer. It's, it's a whole thing. <laughs> um, I don't think they should overthink this at all. You know, I, I thought it was funny that somebody had the, the pre-made uh, Andrade comes to AEW starter pack. You know, he's he, he, the all elite sign, the promotion of him on dark, him facing Cody at the next big pay-per-view. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 easy, I think. You know, like I said, don't overthink this one. This one's pretty easy. Uh, the fact that he's available at all is kind of a a, a, a godsend, just because you know he's healthy and should be really easy to make money with that guy. Like Jeremy said, so um, I, I just don't think they should overthink this one. Don't think of him as a WWE guy. Think of him, you know, he's wrestling royalty. He's be more than just Andrade. He's La Sombra. You know, if you you know, if let's see if Tony Khan watches Lucha Underground because if he does, he's signing that guy yesterday. All right, so I'll put a cap on this because we're just about running out of time. I'll, I'll give my quick thoughts. Uh, and there's one thing that I think we're not really thinking about, which we look at Charlotte as maybe kind of you know untouchable in, in WWE. She's very uh, well taken care of there. She's great. And I do wonder if Andrade becomes part of... AEW and, and, you know, even maybe possibly taking them to the next level in in a sense. If there's any heat on her, and the only reason I say this is because I think I can share this. I think, hmm, okay, I'll share it, but I'll share it in a different way. So from what I understand, uh, one of the reasons why Ric Flair stopped doing a podcast 
is because if he would say something even slightly critical of WWE or of what he thinks is going on with Charlotte, she would get heat for it. I worry a little bit about how they would react to Andrade and, you know, I I don't know if he would come in and cut down WWE or whatever, or maybe go on, you know, talk is Jericho and then Renee's podcast and say negative things about WWE. But that is my main worry is would he, would he, is he thinking that, okay, I need to protect her because this, this company, you know, will maybe punish her for what I'm doing. That would be my worry. Other than that, ah, gosh, I think this is like such an easy thing. And I know people say, oh, he's got that WWE stench on it. People who watch NXT saw how great he was. Main eventer, champion. Again, just like Andy said, I don't even really see him as a WWE guy as much as I see him as this like international superstar. New Japan, Mexico. single place he's been with the one exception of being the main roster. So I think he's got something to prove. He probably feels like he has something to prove. I would imagine he's very hungry to, uh, and, and this is not a catering joke. I think he's hungry to prove himself that he is still that top guy. And if I'm AEW, I, this is, I mean, if I'm AEW, I wish I could go back four weeks and be like, okay, Christian, I know we're talking, but Let's wait and see. We have a chance to bring in somebody else who's a little bit more impactful than you. Um, so anyways, I would bring him in. No questions asked. I'd get him in the mix in the, with the top guys immediately. It doesn't have to be with Kenny and Mox, and it could be with Cody, right? Because Cody's a good position to, to actually be in when you're working Cody. And I just think, I think it's an easy one. But um, okay, so that's it for here. Um, I will, uh, I will, I will figure out what the next show is going to be. I like doing it sort of Tuesday at this time, 5 PM for the West coasters, eight for the East coasters. Um, but we'll see, I may have something next week that, that will kind of knock me off of this rhythm, but we'll still get it done. We'll get it done during the week. I will over promote, uh, when, when, when the time change is going to be, if we, if we do have to to a change time. So everybody who was on here, follow me. And I think if I publish something, you guys probably get a notification. I would hope. But uh, anyways, thank you all for uh, coming on. This was a lot of fun. I think we found our rhythm guys with these four segments and we can just kind of go through them uh, and, 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 uh, and, you know, be, be, be final on these. And then we'll move on to the next four conversations next week. So, Uh, For everybody who joined me, for all of the listeners, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out.